Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. Today we have a return appearance of Chris Mladenovic of Prospire. Now he was a guest in 2016 on the show and it was a ton of fun. And I know that's cliche and all, but Chris is just a really quick-witted person who knows how to have a good time while still being professional and that's why the show was great in 2016 so we're going to have that in the show notes you can go back and click on that as well but chris miladinovic of prospire welcome back to the no bs marketing show thank you for having me i agree we had a great time last time and i'm looking forward to our conversation it's already been interesting in the pre-show antics that we've had, which the audience doesn't get to know about. We'll have the special back backstage stuff that people can pay for. We'll have like for two ninety nine, you can get that stuff. But since your last appearance, no, uh, you were your company was probably about a year old when when you were on then. Tell me a little bit about what's happened with Prospire and you personally. Yeah, thank you. Uh, back when we last spoke, we were a year old. Mm -hmm. We had just a handful of people, and. Uh, and things were a lot smaller, a lot different. Um, over the years, we've had tremendous growth. We're in the 50s in headcount, have lots of good partners, lots of good relationships. We're a national consulting firm. Uh, we have clients all over the United States. Uh, things are very different. Um, you know, way back then, you, you wish for all of the the bigger firm, the more people and the the, the bigger market position. And today we kind of wish for the smaller problems and 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 less of the bigger issues. But no regrets. We've had a a, a wonderful time. It's been a, a wonderful journey. Learned a lot. I learned something every day. I always tell people I have every different emotion every day, and that's very true. Being a entrepreneur and, I hear and that. business leader. I hear that. Let's let everybody know how you describe what Prospire does. Yeah, we're a we're a management consulting firm, so we help um, we help healthcare industry companies such as insurance providers, um, and healthcare providers, hospitals, uh, pharmaceuticals, um, supply chain. We help them with their business challenges. Um, I, I like to say we're the plumbers and electricians of of the of the healthcare organizations. Okay. Uh, we know right where to go, right in the wall or right in the pipe. We know right where uh -huh. to go to to fix um, some problems. And you know, most of our clients consider us an extension of their team, extension of their leadership teams, and and we help our clients get their problems solved quicker and their their ideas and and solutions to market faster. So consulting means a lot of things. We do some marketing consulting in addition to creative development and storytelling and so forth. So with the term management consulting, it can range from actual strategic planning. It can range from or organizational development. It can range from health, uh, project management. What's your piece of management consulting, your top two or three things that are your secret sauce, your competitive advantage? What are the ones you do the most? Yeah, I'd say we break we break consulting down into two buckets, you know, strategic advisory and then, you know, strategic execution. So on the advisory front, that's where we partner with the leadership and and executives of a company and and help them develop the the plan or response to a particular business challenge. Um you know, where we take pride in is, is we don't let those binders or playbooks that we put together sit on the shelf. 
we help execute and mm-hmm. operationalize whatever we put forward. Um, it's very important to have the the people that are helping advise on the problem, help solve the problem, and I think our, our unique market position allows us to, to do both successfully with all of our clients. Mm-hmm. So you talked about growing, and you said you have about 50 in the headcount. Talk to me a little bit about that. What are the typical positions of people that are getting the job done for Prospire's clients through Prospire? You know, Dave, every every one of our people is very important and, and has a very important job. Uh, we've built an incredible team, and it's hard to say, you know, what a, what a typical position is that helps solve the problem because at the end of the day, uh, each department that we have or each uh, particular person has their part uh-huh. in the overall secret sauce. Our client-facing professionals um, every one of them has a, a you know a path to ownership, a path to a path to equity in the in the company, and um, in the firm, and that's an important thing. It's a motivator. It's it's we we really promote an entrepreneurial atmosphere and and provide a sense of ownership, and I think that really motivates people uh, to do a great job for the firm and for their clients. Mm-hmm. So you have some management consultants since you do management consulting. Tell me a little bit about what makes them unique and what they bring to the table that is a differentiator from any other management consulting firm. Well, thanks for that question. I think it's important to to note that our number one priority in our firm is culture. So um, when we're bringing somebody in, it's very important that they're going to fit into our firm so what what the differentiator is, and I know that you know people price everybody every firm's going to say that um, our differentiator is I think that um, our culture benefits uh, not only our firm but our clients because we're keeping people at our organization we're we're growing our intellectual capital people aren't leaving, so our clients get to experience much more stability they get to get um the benefit of the intellectual capital we're building, and they, they get to benefit from uh, a continuous relationship, which is incredibly important. And the only way to do that, or one of the most important ways to do that, is to foster an inclusive, diverse uh, culture of everybody that um, really gets along. We uh, recently implemented a, um, a personality assessment tool. Uh, there's many great ones out there. Uh, but we, we effectively use the tool to understand how we work with each other. And our whole management team uses it to to manage each other and our people uh-huh. and even manage upwards. How do you like to be communicated to? How does that person like recognition? How does that person take feedback? Uh-huh. All those questions are really important. And as as leaders, we need to make sure we're using that information wisely so that we all work together better and have a have a great culture. Which tool did you select? It seems like it's working for you. It's working really well. It's called People Keys, and it's a it's a component of DISC. Uses the DISC methodology and, and has a few other uh, tests within it. But uh, before joining the firm, everybody takes it. Everybody gets their results, and it's a wonderful tool to uh, not only reflect and understand what kind of person you are and how you like to learn, how you like to get feedback, how how you like to receive recognition. Um, what motivates you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a good to reflect, but it's also good to use to work with each other. Wouldn't it be so powerful to to 
go into a conversation knowing how somebody likes to receive feedback. They might not want to receive it in a way that you're traditionally used to giving. Correct. And that makes the conversation ultimately more powerful. It's important to leverage those tools. Now, one of the other things that I know from going to your office and having a couple meetings there, from the minute you get off the elevator, you see some really cool stuff. And one is the culture aspect that you've talked about. You have these cultural pillars, if you will, and you can see the words throughout the building, and there's different ways that the employees reference them. Talk about how you've instituted that culture and how you're communicating that culture. So as I said, and thanks for recognizing that, and and I'm very proud of what our team's done to build such an incredible workplace. Um, I think I know that culture is our number one priority, and it's really important to kind of put your money where your mouth is uh, and, and, and make sure that the things we're saying come to life and come to fruition. I think an incredible office is an important mechanism of culture. People like the office. They want to go to the office. We implement a lot of amenities that are wonderful. And um, as for the words on the wall, they're not just words on a wall. Um, you know, Lauren and I, when we founded the firm, we we wrote these words at our kitchen counter. And um, while the words have changed a little bit uh, to, to be more effective, uh, the intent and the meaning hasn't changed. And uh, it's so important that we actually recognize people every year uh, for our Core Values Award. Uh, we have five core values, and one person uh, gets an award for each category, and their name goes on the wall forever uh, for that particular year. So um, with all the amenities, with the, the wonderful office, the investment in the office, we have lots of wonderful things, uh, different spaces, uh, different areas people can go to for collaboration or privacy. Um, all of those things are, are, are wonderful inputs to a great culture. I noticed uh, the one thing, and I don't want to pry if it's like proprietary information, but I noticed you walked me through how you're able to make sure people aren't working too much so they don't get to burnout, which I was impressed with that because I know when you have a small company uh, like mine and yours is obviously grown and your headcount's large, um, that you got to watch because people become passionate and sometimes people aren't as efficient as they could be and then they end up do spending a little bit too much time at work and they aren't getting time to energize and I was impressed that you had a way that you could look very quickly and get a snapshot and start talking to people and saying what's up that you're a little bit over on the amount of ideal hours that you'd like to see someone working. Yeah, thanks for recognizing that. Um, we We have made a massive investment in KPIs and metrics to run our business. In fact, we lovingly call it our Prosper Command Center. Mm -hmm. um, if you can picture it's six TVs up on a wall, and I want more TVs. I have to, I'm working on that expense request. But um, it's six TVs on a wall that contain all of our most important metrics. You know, Dave, we're a 50, you know, 354 uh, and climbing headcount firm, surpassed 10 million in revenue. So we can't keep track of every little thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult to do that. We have a great team and a great culture of mentorship and apprenticeship. And uh, behind that, we have our command center, which includes various metrics. And yeah, to your point, one of them is utilization. And if we see one of our people making the board for um, overutilization, maybe working um, too many hours, we want to get ahead of that because 
I guarantee to all the listeners, you 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 yourself, you know of someone or someone in your company has quit from burnout, and you everyone here knows that if only we could have got ahead of that, that person could have been saved. So, you know, you make these massive investments in finding this information and, and creating it and actually using it to get ahead of it. You know, even if it saves one person, it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. You're celebrating the fifth anniversary here. Uh, you've been been around five years, which is a big milestone for any company to survive. But not only have you survived, you've thrived, you've grown at, at a huge pace. What's your biggest learning experience from the past five years? Oh, my. I've learned a lot, and um, I, I can't pin it down on one exact learning experience. But I'll tell you that um, just reflecting on the past five years, I can tell you that in early and constant investment into culture and a scalable infrastructure pays off in the long run. I remember being in our first year and um, second year, and actually through the whole five years, but especially the first and second years, I had uh, with Lauren invested in some very untraditional uh, mechanisms, you know, 401k, um, had an HR audit, uh, just to name a few, we did a lot of other things. We we actually moved into our office much earlier than we needed it, uh, but we grew into it. And uh, the point the point of the matter is is doing some of these things early ensured uh, a few things. One, our scalability, uh, so that we can grow and grow quickly. And then two, uh, they were foundation for uh, just a beautiful culture that we have. Um, it's very hard to turn culture. Um, quickly. I mean, it can be done, but it takes time. And we never really had to pivot our culture at all in the five years. And I think that's our firm's greatest strength and asset. Impressive. Where do you see the company going in the next three, five years? You know, I, I like to think about things in, in more of a short term um, because, uh, you know, this business is flexible and and things and priorities change. Um, I, I see us uh, growing in the national position that we have, being healthcare firms' first calls. Uh, you know, whenever, whenever a healthcare company, a insurance company, or a managed care organization has a particular issue, they're going to think to call Prospire first uh-huh. uh, and and figure out a way if if we can help them. And then if we can't help them, we'll find somebody that can. That's the whole premise of building strong, trusted relationships. But um, our plans to grow are strong this year. We're going to, uh, our plan is to increase headcount uh, by um, uh, a fifth, uh, a fifth, maybe 20, 25 people, and, um, and continue to grow uh, into different geographies and markets as well, mm-hmm. uh, very strategically. So tell me a little bit about when you've got talked through the culture, you've talked through the growth. Talk about how you motivate that team. Yeah, um, I think the one of the key ingredients to motivating our team is, A, the tremendous investment into culture and building an award-winning culture, but um, creating a sense of ownership for the firm. I think everyone in the firm truly feels like they are owning the success we're having, and there's there's no better feeling than knowing you own success, knowing that you had a contribution to a wonderful accomplishment 
And that's so motivating. And I think that um, not only is it the truth, but we we purposefully get people empowered and um, motivated to know that they own the success of our firm. What made you get that type of approach? Where in your early part of your career did it hit you that, like, this is how I want to run a company? Well, from from day one, our our model has been um, that of uh, apprenticeship and and very heavy on mentorship. So um, where did you, where did it come to you though? Like because obviously you said day one, but I'm saying you didn't think of that day one. You thought of that years past. When did it hit you? Was it when you were a teenager? Was it when you were in college? Was it the first job you noticed something you liked? Was it a second job you noticed something you didn't like? Because that's pretty much what happens when we build companies. We learn throughout our lives things that we either thought worked or didn't work. What was the triggering points that got you to that point earlier in your career? I think that 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 has been an innate innate ability or an innate thought process for me um just you know in my experience um I have you know held leadership positions from high school all the way through um all the way through today and I'll tell you that the lessons that I've learned along the way in working with others the most important lessons that I remember are what not to do. Uh-huh. I remember the things that I didn't like from managers or didn't appreciate or cultures from different companies or, or, or you know, any kind of toxicity that I, I didn't particularly enjoy. And I think when you remember those things don't work, you implement them where they can work. Exactly. And when you can control. And I think that's been my why on how uh, I've contributed to our culture. Our our firm is bigger than any one person now, and it's now really a collective of everybody's input. So it's very important to bring the right people in that will subscribe to the culture mm-hmm. and only improve the culture. Um, we we lovingly say we get rid of cancer quick. Uh, if there's anybody or anything that's compromising the safety or um, health of our culture, we, we, we get rid of it very quickly because uh, all cancer spreads quickly and we don't want to hurt our organization. Mm-hmm. So the five words are of the culture? Um, relationships, relationships, candor, versatility, commitment, and results. Well, Chris, I do want you to touch on something that you said earlier that um, I've witnessed you do and, and I talk about on my show that I haven't done enough of, but a lot of our clients and a lot of entrepreneurs haven't done enough of. Talk about how, because it takes courage, you started by immediately building infrastructure. And you talked about, you said, we got space and then grew into it. And we we hired this position, even though we weren't ready for that, but then it worked out. And we did this system and process that we invested in the the TVs. And the the TVs are not the investment. The investment is all the intellectual property to get the TVs for your KPIs. Talk about that because I know personally, and I also know from many friends of mine, it's really tough for an entrepreneur to do that kind of investment and to, to do it, and it works. I've just flat out watched it work. So I want to help our audience who other people that are entrepreneurs that are maybe struggling to pull the trigger and not realizing that. Talk about how you did that and because it took courage. Yeah, I, I think in that particular <clears throat> facet of growing any business, you know, there's a couple plateaus that a business leader will, will run into. Um, one is, and it's very in particular, is when you start having some success. 
uh, maybe in year one or two. And usually the business owner will uh, take the retained earnings out of the business and go buy cars or or planes or whatever. And um, the business is, is left with limited capital. I think one of the things we did in, in our experience was we heavily reinvested the retained earnings and did really a few big things. Uh, one was um, the quickest, or one was uh, trying to replace myself uh, so that I could get out of working in the weeds and doing more business growth and, and sales and working on the business rather than working in the business. Um, that was a big investment because uh, finding senior talent is expensive. I think another big investment we made that has tremendously paid off was our investment in marketing. Uh, marketing is very important. Marketing is different than sales. Marketing drives sales. Um, and we, we doubled down and, mar- and, and focused on business to employee marketing. Um, you know, Heather McKaig joined our firm uh, two years in, and it's been a, uh, she's done a tremendous job building that organization and then the, and, and its capabilities. And then the third big early investment we made was getting into our office space. Um, what's really cool is when we were looking for brick and mortar space, um, we were in a shared space. Uh, we saw a um, place that was unattainable. It was too expensive. And then we started having some growth. And all of a sudden that that floor became attainable. And um, Lauren and I had to have some uh, discussions to get over the fence. But we didn't need the floor yet. And we went ahead and got it. And we grew into it. And here, um, uh, three years later, four years later, we have uh, uh, three floors in the building and and looking at possibly more. So um, I think you have to kind of look at what information you have, look at the direction your business is going, and you have to think big and and paint a vision and don't stop until you get there, um, you know, coddling your resources or 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 spending the retained earnings and and not investing in the business is, is the worst mistake you can make. The fact of the matter is, is, you know, when you invest in yourself and in your business, it should generate more returns than any other investment vehicle you can think of uh, can. Awesome. Is there anything you thought I'd asked you that I didn't? No, I thought that was a great, great discussion. And uh, thank you for uh, bringing up some of these questions. And, and I love working with you and your team. You guys help us on a few things and do a, a very fantastic job to help us think through things and, and execute. And I watch you do a wonderful job with your clients, and, and that's really important. Good work leads to more. I agree. Thank you very much. And thanks for the second appearance of Chris Miladinovich of Prospire, a company on the move and growing. Check them out. And thank you, our loyal No BSers, for listening to this episode recorded in our studios in bold, beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions. No BS.